desert for 40 days to be tempted and to, you know, and then to use all these Deuteronomy scriptures against the devil and talk about this, it, it is a perfect parallel and it is fu- a perfect fulfilling of whose God's people was supposed to be is Jesus is fulfilling that. And through, through rep- basically replicating what Israel went through and what they were supposed to be, he's going to fulfill that purely and we'll look at that. Here's the other thing that Jesus did that, that parallels Deuteronomy and what Moses uh, di- uh, did as well. Jesus began his ministry in Matthew with blessings. So Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And then he ended it in Matthew 23 with curses. And, and you'll see that you, um, here in a little bit when we talk about the Pharisees. So he starts in Matthew 5 <clears throat> with all the blessings. The, we call it the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, blessed are those who, right? And then he ends it in Matthew 23 when he's talking to the Pharisee, and he's like, curse you for this, curse you for that. And, and which is a parallel of what Moses did in Deuteronomy 28 through 30, where he talks about blessing those, you will be blessed if you do this, you will be cursed, cursed if you do this. And so again, you have to understand that the, 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 the religious leaders of this time were very, 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 well-versed in, in, in the Old Testament and, and, their, and their history and what the Word said and what the Word meant. So when he was doing these things, this wasn't just some guy coming. And, I mean, it was, but it wasn't just, oh, Jesus is coming and teaching nice new things, right, or different things. Everything he did was to fulfill what, the, the, what Jerusalem or Israel, could, or Israel could not do. All right? And everything he did was either a countertype or a way of saying, look, I am the coming Messiah without saying, I am the coming Messiah. And the, is, the, the Pharisees and the religious people today knew this, right? It wasn't just his uprising or him starting a religious sect. There were, the, the starting of religious sects in this time was not uncommon. You know, there were, there were hundreds of them that would come up, the leader would be killed, and they would die. You know, and, and there was even people who would come up and claim to be the Messiah, they, he would end up being dead or dying or they would fall out. So this was not an uncommon thing in this time frame. The reason they hated him so much was because he was fulfilling and everything that we, you saw in the Old Testament, all the prophecies, everything that you saw there, and he was throwing it in their face that this was happening. And he told them that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right before. And so that's, you know, that's why they hit him. We're going to look a little bit deeper into that. So the other thing that he did, which would have really set them off, is he, pres- you know, and, and I think sometimes, so we, like, we know the verses in, in Matthew around the Lord's Supper, right, where, where, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And I think sometimes we think, well, this stuff would have just been private by themselves. No, I, you have to understand, everything Jesus did in this time was watched. Everything he said was watched. You know, they were always trying to find something to trip him up. And so you had the same thing where he presents himself during the Passover as the better Passover. Right? The, the, the most, one of the most important rituals that they observed in the Jewish times was the Passover. This was the, the sanctification. This was the, what allowed them to escape um, 
slavery in Egypt and then become the, the nation and, and, the, and you know, who they were as a people. And so that was extremely important. So here comes Jesus saying, hey, look, I'm better than that. You know, so now when you take this, this wine, well, that's my blood. When you, when you eat this bread, that's my body. So he then takes the most important ritual they have, and they, he makes it about the, him. And so again, we, I hope that this helps people understand. It wasn't just, well, he had a movement, and he upset some people, so they killed him. He was, in their mind, trampling on everything they stood for. And, and, and just, and I guess in today's term, it was just hypocrisy and sacrilege to them. Because they, they just could not fathom this guy who's a carpenter from, from Galilee, who's a nobody, coming in and then doing everything and basically saying, look, I'm the Messiah without saying I'm the Messiah. And so, so you see this then in Matthew 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for it is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of the many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it with new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. That would have been an extremely just blasphemous statement that he just did right there. I mean, they would, that would have just set him over the edge, and that made it. But, and, but he continues to do this throughout scriptures, so, or, or throughout the, the whole gospel, and we're going to dig deeper into these, but almost every single one of these either stories or miracles that he did would have been offensive to the Pharisees or the religious leaders of that time. Turning the water into wine, we're going to look at that. Clearing the temple, you know, him talking about the destruction and rebuilding of the temple three days later. The, you know, the, the symbolism around the bread and the water. The symbolism about being the light of the word. And then, then him talking about being the true vine. So the, the Gospels are, are littered with this. And what we're going to do, this, this right here is an overview. These two lessons that we're doing is an overview of kind of his ministry and what it represented. And it represented, did. I can't remember how you say it. Represented, right, thank you. <laughs> and why it was, why it was, you know, so offensive to the people of the time, or at least the religious leaders of the time. And, and why, and the, what? And the amazing thing is, was the average Joe, the crowd got it. Yeah. Yeah, everything he did, I mean, just, you know, you, I mean, you think about feeding of the 5,000, well, actually it would have probably been a more, it was 5,000 men, and so it would have been a lot more than actually 5,000 people. And, and so, you, I mean, you just look at how many people were following him around. And the one thing I always say, and this is a, going down a side hole, um, is how in the world he spoke loud enough for everyone to hear him. <laughs> I just wonder about that sometimes. You've got like thousands and thousands of people around you, and today we can't do it without a huge PA system. So he must have, I wonder if he used some kind of miracle to project his voice. I <laughs> just wonder about that. Anyways. 
I, yeah, I do. I, How it's going to be. Yep. Putting on a show. No, you're right. And so that, that leads directly into the next line of that I'm, that I'm going to go into. So, so Jesus did all these things to, to prove who he was and to show to the people at the time who he was, and they understood everything he was doing. And so this then leads into what Jesus was really all about, and that is the kingdom of God. You know, when we say, well, why did Jesus come? You know, we, well, our, our standard answer usually is, well, to die on the cross and forgive our sins. While that's true, his, his, his main purpose for coming was to establish his kingdom on earth, which ultimately would, you know, was, was basically a parallel between heaven on earth. And so that's, that's why we see, we see the kingdom of God. And so, just like you were talking about, the, the, the kingdom of God that the Jews expected, they expected a huge public event, right? It was going to be this massive thing where God sent down his son, or he came down, the Messiah would come, and it wasn't just going to be a local thing. It wasn't just going to be a, you know, the whole world was going to know that the Messiah had come in and had come in and was establishing his throne on earth. And it was going to be a special person, and he was going to come in a special way, and, and he would establish the kingdom. Now, who was the kingdom, the, the, the most powerful kingdom at that time? Roman Empire. And if I think, and I Terry's not in here. From a history standpoint, I think it's probably the, one of the most powerful empires ever. Except, you know, I mean, I don't know. You may throw the, well, no, I don't know. If, I don't know how you would compare that to the United States. And, and, yeah, yeah. They, right, right. They did. They, they, the, the known world at that time, they, they ruled all of it. And so they expected some, some savior, some hero to come down, you know, on a, on a white horse with a huge army and come in and establish the throne there in Jerusalem at the temple and to, to basically kick out Rome and overtake the Roman Empire and, be, and, and then Israel would become the most powerful empire in the world. That's what they expected to happen. They were looking for, just like they've, they've always erred of wanting the earthly king, they were looking still for that earthly king to come and free them. And so... This is why it was so offensive to them, like we talked about last week, for Jesus to show up being born in a pig slop, right? And coming out of an area, you know, where the Bible even talks about does anything come good, out, does anything good come out of Nazareth, right? So it, it was just extremely, extremely uh, offensive to them. And there's no way that they would have accepted it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, 100% perfect. And you look at, at, you know, I mean, you have the advantage of being God here. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, you, you lay out this perfect plan knowing, you know, what they expect and then come in and just flip everything on his head. And, and you know, you know, you're going to be able to use all these things to teach them. And, you know, and every time they try to catch you and, and get you caught in something, you know, it's just he flips it right back on them. And from 12 years old. Yep, one more lesson every single time. And even with all of that, they couldn't see it. Even with all that, they couldn't, they, well, they refused. And even, even when he would quote their own scriptures yeah. to prove that he was fulfilling those scriptures, I mean, you would, in my mind, you would think that would be the proof positive. Yeah. Yep. And so we, we see this, and like we talking about, they misunderstood what the kingdom was all about. And I think Christians today misunderstand that sometimes. We misunderstand what the church or, or the ecclesia, the congregation, is supposed to be about. In some, in some forms, it's, it's all tied to a building. and, and other time, In other ways, it's all tied to tradition. It's, and we're going to see the parallels between us and the religious people in, in, the, in the time back then. Jesus turned all that stuff up on its head, and, and it, was a, it was not about all these traditions or being super religious or, or, or all of this. It is about being faithful to God and, and the two greatest commandments, which, which we've looked at several times. But, you know, we'll say, well, it's a, Jesus came to die for people's sins, or, well, he, for, he came so people would be born again, or he came for justice, or he came for, for loving others. Which all that's true, right? But if you take each one and isolate it, it, you miss the mark, right? All these things point to the kingdom of God. Every single one of them. The whole reason that these things were done. The reason, you know, the only way God could have a kingdom of heaven on earth was if he died for us and forgave us of our sins so then people could be part of that kingdom, right? And so that's the only way that this could happen. So everything he did pointed to the establishment of his kingdom. That was his sole, his, I won't say his sole mission, but his main mission and his main purpose to come here was to establish his kingdom, which all these things entail that, that we see and that we talk about and that we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. And as I study that, as I've studied this, you know, the time in which Jesus came, you know, a lot of people are like, why didn't he come, like, now? Like, where there was t their cameras, I mean, it could have been a whole lot more. It was just the perfect setup, right? You had the Roman Empire, you, had, you know, who was just dominating the world. You had, you know, the most powerful country in the world. You had all these religious leaders teaching all these religious things. And, and it was just, it, everything was just coming to a head. Right? And so it was a perfect time for Jesus to insert himself and, and, and die on the cross 
and, and do all these things, and then eventually the Christian, you know, Christianity basically, you know, overtakes Rome. You know, I mean, the Roman Empire, once this happened, once Christianity starts, it was the downfall of the Roman Empire. And so, and then you see Christianity today has become, you know, one of the, the, one of the largest religions in the world. And so, you look at all that, I mean, God's timing's perfect, obviously. And, and you study that, and, you know, sometimes it's like, well, it would have been really neat to see him come in, in the 21st century, the 20th century where, I mean, you know, he could have just, everything, there's no doubt, right? You know, I mean, but even then, if you look at it, like Dad was talking about too, we could have seen it on camera in, in, in 4K ultra high definition, and, and there were people would have, the, the, the religious people of the time would have said, nope, it's all, it's CGI, it's this, it's, it's this, you know, or he's, he's, he's the devil, or it would have been the exact same thing no matter what, whatever time, and they still would have killed him. So if we look at, and I'm, I want to go through, and I'm, I, I threw a lot of Bible verses in here on, for purpose because I want to see these. So we'll go through them real quick, and then we'll get into the last bit. Jesus talks about his kingdom here a lot. So Matthew 4.23, Jesus traveled through throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed in every, every kind of disease and Ill, illness. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Luke 4, 4, 43. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. His whole purpose for being sent was to, not his whole, not his only purpose, but the main purpose he was sent is to teach and establish the kingdom of God, to teach the good news of it and the kingdom of it. And we see in John 18, 36 and 37, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. And this is what the Jews of the time did not understand. It's not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say. Is true. So if we look, the kingdom of God was actually referenced in the, in the Gospels 122 different times. And everything Christ was doing, everything he was doing was pointing to the esteem. He came in, he was fulfilling and, and showing and, and paralleling Israel's you know, start of coming out of Egypt and being established. And then he, and, and everything he does then goes to fulfilling the, the creation of his kingdom. And points that all everything that he was doing. I wrote this down. It says Jesus' life and ministry was nothing less than the announcement of the of the arrival of a new world, and he was boldly saying that he was the one ushering it in. This is why he, they killed him. This is why they killed him. It was so offensive to them. All right, his message was extremely controversial. You know, Jesus was offering something far more scandalous, membership in the, in the new people of God on his own authority and by his own process. You know, he was taking, he, he was saying, look, you're going to be, a, you can become a member of this kingdom, and I'm, I'm the one who has authority of this kingdom, and this is how you're going to do it. You know, and it was just, it was just everything. And it put him... Yep, different. 
And we know how much we love it when we change things from old to new, right? <laughs> And so, again, this put him in direct conflict with, with most of the, the, every part, actually every part of Judaism at that time. And so if we look here, and this is where we're, we're going to dive into this a little bit, there were four major sects of Judaism in that time. And most of these, you've probably, three of them you've heard of, maybe the fourth one not. The Sadducees, the Essenes, is that Essenes? Essenes, the Pharisees, and the Zealots. Now, if I had really heard a lot about the, the Sadducees, Pharisees, and Zealots. I really hadn't really researched the Essenes or however you say it. I can't pronounce words anymore. So, But Jesus' ministry actually subverted the stories, the beliefs, and the actions of every single one of these moments, movements. And what's funny is if you look at Matthew 5, and we're going to dive deep into that a little bit, his first major sermon, his first major sermon counteracts every single one of these in one lesson. So we'll start with the Sadducees. The Sadducees, their belief was that you were going to bring God's power or God's kingdom through political power. Through political power, they were going to be able to usher in the kingdom of God. Does that sound familiar today? And so watch the parallels between all these sects that we see and, and, and sometimes the, the parallels between us and us today. Jesus rejected this outright when he claimed that it's the meek and humble who will eventually experience the kingdom of God. If we, we look in Matthew 5, right, the, the Beatitudes, God blesses those who are humble, some versions say meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. Right? This, this counteracted everything they believed. They believed through political power they would inherit the entire earth. Well, Jesus comes and says no. You're actually going to do it by being humble and serving. And, 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 and so, again, it was just right in the face of what the, everything they taught and they believed. The scenes. They, go ahead. One of the things that they, one of their major doctrines was they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Right, right. to the Essenes. They believe that you could bring the kingdom by removing themselves from the sinful world around them. Does that parallel anything today? I mean, well, one, you have your monks and stuff who, who do this, right? They, they, they pull away. But the church, the church in many instances, and it doesn't matter if you're a church of Christ or what, what, what religious church you are, this has become kind of the, the trend. We've, we've turned inward and we've kind of tried to shut off the entire world, and we live in our church buildings for the most part. Go ahead. I was teaching a class here one time on how we should reach out to people in the world and the very people that we consider the dregs of society, Jesus said with. And I, I named names, and, and, and some people said, I just don't want to be around those kind of and, and And they were speaking for a lot of folks that, that believe that way, that as Christians, we should be aloof. And, and Jesus did that the very exact opposite. He went and, and, and hung out with and ate with and touched. And, and this is the beginning. He touched people who should not have, in that time, you weren't supposed to ever touch. 
Go ahead, Steve. And this type of religion is very easy. There's nothing hard about being an echo chamber of yourself inside a building. It's not. I mean, hanging around, well, I don't know, we can get on each other's nerves, but, but hanging around other Christians inside a church building, for the most part, is easy. All right, we all think the same. In many instances, we all look the same. And so, <laughs> you know, this is, this is easy. But what God was teaching was extremely, you know, again, counter to what they believe, but again, at the same time, you know, so he's teaching we're just to be the salt and the light of the world, all right, and we're also to, you know, to be in the world, but not of it. And when we see this in, in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled uh, underfoot as worthless, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Unfortunately, for the most part, many churches have basically hid their lamp inside their building where no one can see it. And so these are the things we've got. You know, If we're going to parallel and be what Jesus said to be, we've got to stop doing these things and do what he taught Steve. And, 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 we're, and we're seeing this repeatedly over, over and over and over again. So not only, not only are we very similar to the Sadducees sometimes, where we think it's through politics that we're going to move the movement of the church, or we think, you know, in, in some cases you're doing all three or four that we'll look at here, you know, and other, then at the same time we're, we're pulling ourselves inward, and we're not really having anything to do. And so basically, and then we finish this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. That is key right there. That is key. Everyone should know who we are, not because of what we're against or what we teach against, but the good deeds that we go out and do in the community. Then it changes. Yep. 
And, I, and I've said this from you. Know, a lot of people think well, we'll change the world, or we'll change America through politics. You'll never change America through politics. The only way you're going to change America is through the church, and that is converting people. You convert people, then you change the you know, It's a cause and effect thing. All right, so the, uh, real quick, the Pharisees, this is the one we, we, we are most common with and we hear the most about. The, the Pharisees believed they could usher in the kingdom of God by being super, super religious to the law. Ultra-conservative, ultra, like everything has to be done a certain way or, or you're, you're not right. All right, and so Jesus, and, and I love Matthew 23. It's probably one of my favorite teachings of his is just because he just absolutely destroys the religious leaders of the day in Matthew 23. I mean, he just uh, almost cusses them out in a sense, you know, not to say that Jesus was using bad language, but to them, I mean, he just cursed them to hell, and we're going to see that, right? Yeah, yeah. If you actually look through it and look through, Jesus never, if, if you watch, Jesus never directly condemned someone who was, not a, who was sinful and not, in the sense of they, they weren't religious leaders. You look at how he treated Zacchaeus. You look at how he treated the woman at the well. He, he never told them, well, you're this, 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 you're this. All he, for the most part, said was, stop sinning. But then he turned around on the religious leaders and just blasted them. And we're going to look at some of this. So read all of Matthew 23. But the, the verses I'll focus on here, 27 and 28. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. This was a huge insult to them because they, they, they prided themselves on how clean and pure they were. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 Think before you have those rules, right? Go ahead. No, shoot. And the, and the problem with that is it's most of that self-inflicted, right? You know, the, our, our view, now, not always, but for the most part, a lot of our, our view that the way the, the outside world sees us is self-inflicted because we have had in the past a very self-righteous attitude, a Pharisaic attitude toward the world. And we've treated them the way the Pharisees acted. And so that's something we've got to learn to correct. And, and, and Greg, Dad, Right.
if you look in our in our body, in, in the Church of Christ, and look at the way we get split, the vast majority of those splits have not been over a thus says the Lord. No, it's over a, a opinion. Or 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 interpret or what I would call a gray area of interpretation that there's really no rule on, but we say, oh well, we see that they did this, so we must have to, you know. And so there's no direct. It's all yeah. It's all opinion, really, or or a loose interpretation of how it should be. Now, now let me be clear, y'all. I don't, I don't mean to say that there's never been a situation like that. There have. Yeah. You know, there's been some that say, well, we don't believe baptism is necessary anymore, and that that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But for the most part, it's not been that way. Most part, it's been things like color of carpet or walls or. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, someone got their feelings hurt. So uh, he continues in, in here, outwardly you look like religious people, but inwardly, in, inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And then he goes on and he says, snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? And, and, and in a sense, he's, he's calling them vipers, evil people, and basically saying, I don't know how you're not going to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you see that, you know. And, go ahead. Could you imagine if, like, for example, I used to, you know, we used to grow a lot of green beans and stuff. Could you imagine if I had, you know, when I had, I had a full cart, one of those pull-behind tractor carts full of green beans. Could you imagine if I had to sit and count all those and give 10% to the church? <laughs> I mean, that was the rules that they made. Everything you did, I mean, that was all the rules that they had. It was crazy. Yeah, see, <laughs> little tiny seeds. Yep, yep. So, and then lastly, real quick, because we've we got just a couple minutes left, the zealots, right? They believe that they should revolt and commit violence toward their oppressors. Now, we don't see this too much in the church anymore. Um, very few. You've got some radical people out there in, in Christendom who, who, who believe some of this stuff. But even then, Jesus called his followers to look. What did he say? Love our enemies. Pray for those who are persecuted. You turn the other cheek. Walk the second mile, right? All these things, again, were just in their face against what they wanted to do. And we see this in Matthew 5. Still, again, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In Matthew 5, 38 through 40, you have heard the law says the punishment must match the injury. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give him the coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Oh, yeah. I mean, for us yep. people, I mean, I, I, I still bristle a little bit at when, I, when I read it, because like, I don't want you know, yep. to give in to that. I'm yep. showing weakness. But, you know, I still sometimes can't comprehend what God wants. But. Yeah. I, this honestly is probably, these verses here are probably my hardest. If someone hurts me, I want to hurt you back even worse than you hurt me. Right? Oh, goodness. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> exactly right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you get past that? And and that, I, I don't think I'll ever get here. I, I'm just being humble. I don't think I'll. It, it's 
It's so hard. But he, he taught all these things. And so my point I wanted to show was Jesus wasn't killed just because he come down and had a small group of followers and, and kind of upset the religious people of the day. He came in from the wrong side of the tracks, from, you know, from the wrong place, from the wrong time, and, and just shoved it in their face of who he was and what he was going to do and, 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 and was able to do it perfectly and they couldn't catch him in anything. And he gathered a huge following. That is why they killed him. Because he was a complete just rejection of everything that they stood for. Yeah, yes. And then he threatened. Because this new order he was bringing about would, would, would take away all their power. All their power was gone. So here's what. We're, so next week, what we're going to do? We're going to start back at the beginning, but we're going to start in, and we're going to go deep into every. You know, we're going to start into his birth and stuff. Covered a little bit, but then we're going to go into some of the things he did as a child, and we're going to go through his ministry, and we're going to do it in, in chronological order, and we're going to look at everything he did and the meaning behind it, and how it pointed to his coming kingdom and why it upset and 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 kind of flipped everything on edge. Thank you. I'm sitting in a room in my life. I'm sitting in a room in my life.